Podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. The following message was recorded live from our sanctuary. Our prayer is that this message would nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you as you listen. See my bleeding Would you turn with me, please, to Second Timothy? It's a rather short book in the back of the New Testament. If you're using the Pew Bible, this is page nine hundred. 995, but if you don't have the Pew Bible, (laughs) you go to the back and find Peter and James and Hebrew, just keep backing up and you'll hit the Timothys. Verse 6. Of Second Timothy one. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame, kindle the flame, to flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, For which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. The reading of God's word. Let us pray. O Lord, in this brief time we pray that you would encourage us. By your spirit, by your grace, by your word and promise, may we know who we are in Christ and what we have in Christ. And Lord, though we are in a far different situation than so many brothers and sisters in the world, all the more may we ourselves not ever be governed by cowardice, but may we manifest that indeed we have the spirit a power, love, and a sound mind. Bless us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Paul is obviously addressing his younger brother and fellow minister concerning the gift that was given him as a minister, but then he widens out his uh, Concern, or you might say the speaking of God's grace as he says, not just you, verse six, but then for God gave us a spirit. Most uh, commentators 
would point us to spirit capital S here, that this is the, the very Holy Spirit that God has given to all his people. And to begin with, he conceives of the unimaginable as though we could be given a spirit that is fear, as though we could be given a spirit of timidity, as if there was such a gift And, of course, this fear is that sense of shame that God's people might have because of the public witness of Christ, because of the association with Christ, the association of the message of Christ and knowing what people think about that message and think about Christ and think about anybody associated with that message or of Christ. This word is used of cowards in battle. It's a battle word. And, of course, we must understand that this kind of cowardice, since it doesn't come from the spirit, it comes from the enemy. We read many times when Israel is taking the land in the Old Testament that God sent a spirit of fear and cowardice. Because it's a whole lot easier to fight somebody when their armor is not facing you and they're not trying to kill you. But their back is exposed with no armor and they're fleeing and they're not fighting at you and you can just have at them. Satan wants to strike fear in your heart and in my heart so that you will not stand, so that you will not live for Christ and speak for Christ and see others come to know Christ. That is what the enemy is about. And the terrible thing here is that if we do fear, if we do not stand in the place, you imagine a man standing as part of a battle line outside of a city that has no walls, but he's there to defend the city. And he must stand his ground, even though it looks like, and it very well may happen that he'll be killed, stand his ground and not flee. And so he has not given us that spirit. There's, it's a way of saying we've been redeemed. We've been redeemed from that fear, brothers and sisters. That's a part of the darkness that would line up with the darkness view of Christ and cause us to want to win the darkness or be accepted by the darkness. And of course, he's most think that he's not only telling Timothy this because of the serious situation that they're in, but Timothy's own temperament at this point. But then we don't have a spirit of fear, but of what? Power, love and self-control. As you know, power is always associated with the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. It says when Jesus had finished with his temptation, he returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. When Peter is proclaiming Christ, he speaks of how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will have power. So Jesus told the disciples constantly in the New Testament, everything uh, that speaks of the spirit speaks of his power. And so you and I must understand if I have the spirit, I have the spirit of power. There's no other spirit to have. There isn't another spirit. 
He's the spirit of power. He is given to the disciples in Acts 8 so that they might bear witness. Brothers and sisters, you have no other spirit than the spirit that comes to give you power to live before people and to proclaim Christ's word. Of course, proclaim it with wisdom and grace and all of those things, but proclaim it nonetheless. And so we have power to abound in hope, Paul says in Romans 15. We have power to know his love, he says in Ephesians 3.16. The fruit of the Spirit is simply the result of the power of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is the harvest of the Spirit's power. And so this is set against fear and cowardice. To have fear is to be out of accord with the Spirit that dwells in us. And brothers and sisters, if we live in fear, then we are refusing to submit to the Spirit, refusing His work, refusing to believe Him and trust Him. We're holding on to our life and our idol of acceptance, and we're worshiping it, bowing down to it, adoring it. We're enslaving ourselves to it and putting its chain around our neck, the chain of fear. And you'll notice, though, at the end of verse 8, he says, Share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Only the power of the Holy Spirit can enable us. And that's good. So you can come before him and just be helpless. And I, I encourage you, think about the disciples the night of Jesus' betrayal. They fled. You can at least say, well, they weren't more scared than I would be. <laughs> They were just as scared as I would be. They're just as weak as I am. Just as chicken, just as not wanting to be hurt as I am. And yet, those same men stood before the Jews, the Jewish leaders as they were persecuted and said, we must obey God rather than man. And those leaders died for the sake of Christ. And so the power of the Holy Spirit can and will produce a strength in you and me that bears suffering. No other power will do it. Jeremiah says, stronger than all suffering is the power of God. Stronger than all suffering is the power of God. And so helplessly we give ourselves into his hands as Hendrickson says, to trust that limitless, never failing power. But in the next breath, it's power and love. Power and love, this association, love for those to whom you bring the gospel, because fear destroys love. If you and I are scared of them, we will not risk bearing witness to them. If we try to please them and be accepted by them and liked by them, we ruin them. And we seek to tear down God's glory at the same time. In Matthew 5, those who are salt and light are the ones who are persecuted. There's no way around it. A willingness to say, oh Lord... If it means persecution, if it means rejection, if it means mockery and ridicule, I give myself up to your will. I will love these people. And all the more it means that we will love them 
when they reject us, that we will continue to love them. That's the mark of the church worldwide. As we just read of our brother in India, that he prayed for and loved those people that beat him half to death. And we need that power to love that intensely. We need to taste. It's interesting in Scripture, too, from Ephesians 3. It's the power of God that enables us to know the love of Christ and to drink it in, to taste it and experience it so that the very love that we experience from Christ, we give away no matter what the cost. As one commentator says, love that conquers contempt and opposition by forgiveness and refusal to seek revenge. And that's God wants to see his character produced in his people. As he says in Matthew 5, then you show yourself to be my children. Then you really show that you're sons of God. Not when you like the people that like you. But no, no, not there yet. What about all my friends? What about? No, no, no. Find me the person that hates you. Find me the person that persecutes you. And you pour out your love for that person. Ah, then you begin to look like God who loves even his enemies. Like Christ who said, Father, forgive them. How glorious that we have a spirit that will give us that kind of power and that kind of love. We don't have it. There's no way that we have it by our, in and of ourselves. And then cu- coupled with that is this last word, self-control. It's kind of hard to pin down the meaning. It could mean prudence, moderation, a self-discipline, a sound mind. You see, there's the idea here that if you fear Satan's persecuting power, the one who's going to be one day cast into the lake of fire, and you fear his persecuting power more than you trust God's ability to support you and God's presence and his love and his final kingdom into which you will enter, then you've lost your mind spiritually. You've lost it. I've lost it. When we now are more concerned about those who could destroy the body than we are the God who has given his body to save us. Or as Jesus put it, he who can destroy body and soul in hell. You see, if the man in the, defending his city breaks ranks and flees the enemy, it's senseless. Because then his wife and children are going to be killed and he's going to be killed. He's going to lose everything. And so we must stand. We must be brave. We, we lose our minds, don't we, in battle. People lose their minds and they flee. They're not thinking anything but just, I've got to protect myself and it makes no sense. And that's what he's saying. We have to have the Holy Spirit that gives us power and love and self-control, a sound mind. And I just want to close, as Paul says in verse 8, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Jesus says in Mark 8, that if you're ashamed of me on earth, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. If you confess me on earth, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. Brothers and sisters, why did he say that? He said it to motivate us, didn't he? He's even using this sense of Self-preservation, a sense of, of, of remembering no matter what I might lose on earth, 
it's not worth losing that at the throne of God. No matter what I might lose. Let me think soundly. Give me, Lord, the spirit of a sound mind to to keep things straight of what's important and what's not important. Paul says in this passage, verse 12, that I'm not ashamed. Romans 1, 6, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And here's the amazing thing that we read in Hebrews 11. He who sanctifies, that is Christ, he who makes us holy and those who are made holy, he who rescues us and cleanses us and those who are rescued and cleansed. They have one origin. That is why he's not ashamed to call them brothers. And he goes on to say how the Lord Jesus, uh, the Son of God, took upon himself flesh and he bore our punishment and he suffered so that we could be set free from death. And the amazing thing is that Jesus, if there ever would be shame, it would be his association with us. To say, I'm going to own them. I'm going to own their situation. I'm going to own their debt. I'm going to own their guilt. I'm going to own their punishment. He's not ashamed of us. And he embraces us as we are and then transforms us. But how does he find us? He finds us shameful. He finds every one of us shameful. And he embraces us. And says, I'm not ashamed to call you my brothers. And he spends his blood for us. And this is what. This is what gives us strength. That because he's not ashamed, he has sacrificed for us. And all of our brothers and sisters in the world are marked in a a sense. Marked. They are people for whom God has sacrificed. And so because of that, nothing can really ultimately touch them, can it? Because they have the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ laid out for them. And no no amount of persecution or pain or effort. As we begin our very service with Romans 8, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. For He has sacrificed for us. A very interesting passage. You might think it weird that I quote this book, but at the end of the first of uh, Harry Potter's book, uh, Slytherin can't touch Harry Potter because Harry Potter's mother sacrificed herself and was killed to protect him. And he bears a scar that aches when Slytherin tries to get him, but Slytherin can't. And when it's explained, he says... He, you, Harry, are protected because you've been, because you've been touched by sacrificial love. And all Slytherin understands is power. He doesn't care about love. And brothers and sisters, that's what we're about. We are about love. Those for whom he has sacrificed in love. Those who cannot be snatched out of the arms of that love. Nothing will separate us from that love. Nothing can drive us away even if they kill us or kill our brothers and sisters. We have been touched by the sacrificial love of God. Praise his name. And may our brothers and sisters taste it and know it 
all the days of their lives. Let us pray. O Lord, bless us, we pray, and enable us to walk in power, in love, and in a sound mind. Guard us from fear. We confess, O Lord, that we are naturally given to fear. We want to protect ourselves. We want, by nature, the world. But you, as Paul says in Galatians 4, have redeemed us out of the world and you've brought us from darkness into the kingdom of your dear Son. No, Lord, we now are under the flag of the sacrificial love of Christ. We are the beloved, not because we deserve it, but because you have had mercy. Oh, Lord, may sustained by that love, empowered by your Spirit, Heads that are given to your word and have the issues of eternity clear in our hearts. Oh, Lord, may we bring you great honor in how we love your kingdom, love your gospel, and love your people here and around the world. Lord, we can do nothing, nothing apart from your mighty spirit who came upon the early disciples, all cowards, and transformed them. And so will transform us. Lord, we give ourselves up to your will and your power, your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. Our prayer is that this message was able to nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you. Please visit our website for worship service times, directions to the church, and to subscribe to this podcast. Our web address is fortworthpca.org. Fort Worth Presbyterian is a part of the Presbyterian Church in America.